Wow, what a greeting. I can get used to that. Uh, well, this is really a gift to be able to share with you about these values today. And as we start, you'll probably notice, uh, Chris mentioned we're in the first space for one time, and some of you are getting to sit on our couches. Some of you are getting to sit in the new chairs. You'll notice the decorations. We, we brought our office over here that was from Milfis. So this whole week, we spent packing up boxes, moving supplies. I was in charge of all the office supplies, and I found more pens and Sharpie markers than I ever realized that we had in our building. But with that move this week and also trying to prepare this message, I found myself very fragmented. I felt pulled in so many different directions. I was thinking about this teaching. I was thinking about, you know, how to organize our office supplies and the printing materials. And also, you know, thinking about my family and my kids. And, and I realized as I tried to write this message, like, wow, I, I feel very fragmented. I'm, I'm just trying to get the right answers here to share with you about this value. But how can I do that if I'm not living it out myself right now? So I had to pause. I went on a walk, took a breath, and just took some time to listen to God. And I'm wondering, just even as I look back on this week of feeling so fragmented, if you've ever felt fragmented too. And fragmented, the best way to put that, it's an odd word maybe to describe yourself, but it would feel separated or pulled into different parts. And maybe it's easier if we use some examples. So maybe you feel disconnected and fragmented if you smile with people at church, but inside you're bitter and you're hurt at what they've done to you that they might not even realize. Or maybe you're looked up to at work, but you're absent at home with your family. Maybe you like make a lot of money, but you're empty inside. Maybe you don't make a lot of money and you're empty inside and you want to change that. Maybe you love your kids, but you struggle with the mundane routine and to find meaning in the everyday. Maybe it's people-pleasing and you're trying so hard to find approval, but inside you're deeply insecure. Or you, if you're like me, maybe you have a long to-do list, but you're left feeling tired and exhausted. All of those are different ways that maybe that would represent feeling fragmented. But maybe a better question to get to where we're going is, would you think with me about the last time that you felt fully alive? So actually, I'd invite you right now, let's just do this together. Kind of settle into your chair. Take a deep breath with me. Maybe close your eyes. And I'd like you to picture the last time that you felt fully alive. Maybe you were on a hike. Maybe it was a good meal, a conversation, a fun activity. And as you think about that memory, what was going on in your mind? Were you alone or were you with someone else? Were you moving or were you still? What was happening around you? And even think what was happening inside of you? And notice as you relive that memory, what's going on now inside of you as you think about that moment? And you can open your eyes, but maybe you felt alive again right now, just even thinking back to what that felt like. And my question is, that feels great, right? So why don't we always feel like that? Why aren't our lives like that 24-7, fully alive, living to the fullest, and when we see that promise in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God talks to his people, Israel. He says, today I give you the choice between life and death, 
blessings and curses. So, oh, that you would choose life. We see it in Ephesians in the New Testament too. It says, because of God's great love for us, he who was rich in mercy made you alive with Christ even when you were dead in transgressions. Colossians 2 says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive in Christ. So why don't we live that way? Why don't we live each moment fully alive? Perhaps it could be that we've learned to close off parts of ourselves to God. We've learned to close off parts of ourselves to others. And I think to understand that, just that, that closing off, that fragmentation, it's helpful. Dallas Willard talks about the soul. And the soul is all of the dimensions of a person that are coming together to form one life. So you can think of the soul like the software that brings together everything that's within you to form a whole person. It's that deepest part of you. And, and we see that in the Psalms. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise your holy name. And it's interesting, you notice he refers to it in the third person, all my being, like it's its own personification. And we don't really say that about our heart or our mind or our body. He's literally talking about this thing, the soul, this deepest part of you. But the interesting thing about a software system is that you don't really notice that it's there until it's not working anymore. And I wonder if it's the same with the soul. We don't really notice it until we're fragmented inside. So that question, why are we closed off? There's something within us that's, that's fragmenting our soul. So perhaps for you, it's shame. Maybe there's something that you're ashamed of, that you're guilty of. Maybe there's emotions, thoughts, and behaviors that you think a good person shouldn't think or do or feel. Maybe it's something in your past or something right now in your present. Or perhaps for you, it's fear. Maybe you've always been the person that's put together, that has all the answers, that takes care of everyone else, that gets things done. And the fear is, what would you be if you didn't have that? Or perhaps it's just plain exhaustion. You're just too tired to try anymore because for so long you've tried to show up as you think you ought to be instead of who you really are. And that's not unique to us right now. In fact, if you look back at the past few months as we've gone through the Gospel of Mark, we see these characters that are closed off to Jesus. They're closed off to what's happening right in front of them. We see it with the scribes. In Mark 2, they asked in their hearts, how can he forgive sins? How can anyone forgive sins but God alone? Later on in Mark 2, how can Jesus eat with sinners? And they ask, why aren't you fasting right now, Jesus, in another part of that chapter? We see it with the Pharisees as well when they ask in Mark 2, why are your disciples eating grain on the Sabbath? Or Mark 3, why are you healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath? The teachers of the law were no better. They saw what Jesus was doing and they said, oh, Jesus must be possessed by a demon. That's the only explanation for his miracles. 
And what do all of these have in common? They had these right behaviors, these categories, and they were closed off not only to themselves, but to the Son of God right in front of them, performing miracles and bringing and transforming the definition of life itself. And perhaps when we are so preoccupied with showing up as we think we ought to be and expecting others to do the same, instead of showing up as we actually are, we miss out on fully living. And perhaps the most sad example that we see in Mark is in Mark 3 when Jesus' own family, they come into a crowded place of people following Jesus. And they came to take charge of him and say, he must be out of his mind. Even the very people, his own family who grew up with Jesus were unable to see him for who he really was to open themselves up to fully living that invitation offered. But if all of these people were closed off, what about the people that we see in those first few chapters of Mark who did show up as they really were? We see the man with leprosy in Mark 1. He begs Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. We see the crippled man in Mark 2 whose friends lowered him in from the roof to get him to Jesus. Talk about coming as you are. He couldn't even get there himself, but still he came. We see the tax collector, Levi, Jesus calls him. He says, follow me. And not only does he follow, he brings along his tax collector friends and they throw a party for Jesus. We see Jesus' disciples as they're walking along on the Sabbath. They were hungry, so they ate with this new freedom. When I'm hungry, I'll eat. I'm with Jesus. We see the man with the shriveled hand in Mark 3. Jesus invites him to stand in the synagogue. He invites him to stretch out his hands. This man who is unable, overlooked, unseen for so long, the very thing that is closed, he invites him to open up and be restored. And finally, we see the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years in Mark 5. She can't even look Jesus in the eyes, but still she comes. And she thinks, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And what's the theme of these people? They showed up as they were, broken, crippled, hungry, barely able to stand, barely able to look someone in the eye. And maybe you feel that way today too. You're broken, crippled, hungry, barely able to hold it together anymore, let alone look anyone in the face. Maybe you're closed off, you feel fragmented. But Jesus is inviting you today to show up as you are. And will you allow him to restore that fragmented part of you, that fragmented part of your soul? Will you allow him to heal because what is healing but a return to wholeness? And that's, yes, amen. That's what marks these stories, right? A return to wholeness. All of these people were broken, and they didn't have any qualms about, about showing up that way. A return to wholeness with body, mind, and heart. Maybe another way to say that is that Jesus invites us to fully live again because he tells us in John 10 10 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the fullest. Jesus invites us to fully live again. And that's the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus came. He lived a perfect life proclaiming and demonstrating his kingdom. And then he dies this death on the cross. But he rises again to invite us in the same way to fully live again. To embrace who we were created to be. Fully human showing up with all of who we are, with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, because it is by grace that we have been saved. And that's our way here at reality. You know what we call that? Showing up with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. That's wholehearted. And that's one of our core values that I'm so just it's like a gift to give it to you, this word, because it puts into words something that we've all felt for so long, but it's hard to say what it is. Wholehearted is showing up with all of your heart, your mind, and your strength to show up fully as you are. And that's with God and with others. And we see that in Scripture, in Luke 10, 27, Jesus has this exchange with the expert in the law who's actually trying to trip him up. And, and guess what question he asks him? He says, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Or in other words, what do I do to really live? But Jesus, as he often does, he turns this question around on him. And he says, what do you think? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and likewise love your neighbor as yourself. You know what Jesus says? He says, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Wholehearted means showing up with all of our hearts, our minds, and our strengths, and that's the invitation from Jesus to fully live again. And so what does that look like when we talk about the heart, the mind, the strength, showing up that way? With the heart, that's referring to your emotions, to your will, to your decision-making. With your mind, it's your thoughts, your ideas, the things that run through your head that shape what you believe. Your strength, that would be your body, your behaviors, your habits. And, and it's interesting because you think, of course, that, that's, that's what I would want. And, and that's how I felt too. But, but when you think about what does that look like to actually show up with God, with all your heart, mind, and strength. Like think about a quiet time. For so long, I, you know, would do my quiet time because that's what I was supposed to do. I'm gonna learn something new about God, right? But I wonder if that time with God, when you carve out space in the day just to be with God, what if that began instead with just some silence, to be still, to close your eyes, to notice what's happening around you, notice where you're holding that tension in your body, to let that go, to be fully present with God, and just to listen to him. And out of that place, then noticing what's happening in your body, noticing what's coming up in you as you speak with God and telling him. And then from there, encountering his word and his truth. And you see that weaves together the heart, the mind, the strength. 
But I'm hesitant to even say that, and that's such a hot topic, quiet times and rules and, and, and discipleship, because as I say that, I'm wondering what you're hearing. And I'm wondering if some of you right now are hearing, try harder. Or maybe you're thinking, I've already failed. I don't show up wholeheartedly. That's just one more thing that I have to do better. And so notice that. Notice that script that's coming up in you as you hear that. Or maybe it's a hope. It's a longing for that. But even as you begin to acknowledge those scripts going through your head, how you're reacting, that's wholehearted to notice what's coming up in you. And and even as you do that, could it be that those very places where you feel closed off could be an invitation to experience the love and the grace of Jesus Christ as you never have before, as you've always longed to? Could it be an invitation to truly live again? Because we are a people so loved by God that we are free to show up as we are with all of our hearts, our minds, and our strengths. Because God doesn't just want right answers or right behaviors or this moral tally sheet of the do's and don'ts. He doesn't just want your Sunday best. He wants all of you especially the parts of you that you want to hide. He wants to hear your anger. He wants to hear your shame. He wants to hear your anxiety, your depression, your hope, your longing, your relational struggles, your thought life. He wants all of it because he is big enough to handle it. We are a people so loved by God that we are able to show up with all of our hearts, our minds, and our strengths. And this is unlike anything you've ever known because this is somebody who is big enough to take your mess. Someone who will allow you to transgress their boundaries, but he won't transgress yours because that's the beauty of an invitation. Jesus invites you into wholehearted relationship with him. And it's just as we are not as we think we should be, because he's big enough to handle it. We are a people so loved by God that we are free to show up as we are with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our strength. But part of showing up as we are is embracing the tension. As we show up with our hearts, our minds, our strengths, it's embracing the tension of not having the right answers of feeling deep pain and loss and actually allowing ourselves to feel maybe something we've usually pushed aside. It means embracing the tension of failing at times, but receiving grace in the journey as we walk with Jesus, as we create space to follow him together. It means embracing the tension of sometimes missing out on opportunities as we celebrate our limits and knowing that there might always be more that we could do, but we are human beings, not human doings. And one of the best parts about this value, even as I get to share this with you, about being wholehearted, 
is it's something that we already are doing together as a church. It's one of the unique things that makes us us. After years of being a church, it's something that we've seen, but we haven't been able to name. But now, in the past few months, we've been able to recognize that, give a name to it in community together by the power of the Holy Spirit, all the way from our staff to our teams to each of you sitting here. This is a key component of who we are. And we want to together accept that invitation more to live wholeheartedly. And I think of some friends, and we were, I just asked them, I said, well, what about reality? Why reality? Why, why did you choose this? And to even try to put words to it, one of my friends, she said, well, you know, I grew up, you know, in, in church settings. I was familiar with it. But when I saw, when it came to reality, there was life. And I could feel the life there. And I thought, yes, that's wholehearted. You know, that longing to fully live, to allow God into every part of who we are. So for those of you that have been here with us for years, we want to celebrate this value of wholehearted. We want to acknowledge it, that we are doing this together. That a lot of times I'll talk to many of you and you love reality but it's hard to articulate it, and now we have a way to do that, that part of, of who we are, this core value, is to be wholehearted. And, and we see that, just to give you some examples, it's who we are and what we do, and it really is threaded into a lot of what you see, beginning with one of our core statements, which is ministry flows from intimacy, that we believe in being with God before doing for him. We believe prayer changes things. And it's not just intercession, which is beautiful. We did it this morning together before the service, but also contemplative prayer, which you'll often experience at the end of the messages, where we'll sit together, practice the exam, and looking back on our day to notice where God was and how we responded to him, or just to sit in silence and to listen to God's voice. It's also in the our belief that we're call-driven, not need-driven, and that's why you don't see a program every night of the week that we believe that it's not just putting people into programs that we have, it's, it's listening to what God is doing and, and, and equipping people, developing them to be able to lead. And you see that yesterday we had a women's event, and that was my friend Fallon. And she had a vision for women to connect, to have that space together that they haven't had in a long time. And so she brought it forward, and we equipped her to be able to do that. And it was a beautiful time as we saw women gathered right here and together, listening, sharing about suffering. We also see it in our, in our value of the gospel for the whole person, that the gospel is not just a vertical gospel to God, but it's also horizontal, and it's impacting every part you know, of this world, of our relationships, of our social structures, our politics, the things we believe and the ways that we behave. And that's something that we've been talking about for years, long before this past year. It's also in our love and value for emotional health, that last year we had our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class and 70 people showed up for that. And over the past three times that we've had that class, over 250 people wanted to step into that intersection of emotional health and faith and engage in that deep work of the heart. 
And more recently, on a similar vein, we had our Losing My Mind Discipleship series where we talked about cultivating your soul when the world is moving at a fast pace. We had almost 2,000 views on Instagram with that virtual series, and we had deep, challenging questions that people brought up about integrating God into their work, into their marriages, into their singleness, into their prayer life. And it's right here we see wholehearted in this gathering, in how we show up. Like even right after this, we're going to have an extended time of musical worship. And it's after the sermon to allow us to respond wholeheartedly, to sing, to posture ourselves in this response to God's word, to be able to engage with our whole persons and sing the truth of God over each other and to God himself. And that's something that I hear from so many of you. I love that about reality that we have that time after the sermon. So all of these things, I could go on all day, but these are some of the things that make us who we are, and they're ways that we see that wholehearted value showing up with all of our heart, our mind, our strength. We see that model here. But I also want to acknowledge there's some of you who are longing. You might hear all of that, and you're longing. You want to show up wholehearted. You're tired of trying to hide. You want, you want to show up how you actually are, not how you think you should be, but you're hurt. You've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by other Christians. So as I begin to wrap up, I want to tell you what I love about Reality Santa Barbara. When I moved here almost five years ago, I came in with a lot of hurt. And I don't even know, looking back, if I realized that at the time. I grew up in the church, in the type of church that was really big. It had a lot of production, bright lights. You dressed a certain way, you looked a certain way, you acted a certain way in order to belong. And if you didn't, you didn't fit in. And so many things, I was given these lists of what to do and not do, and I would try so hard. But it didn't, it worked sometimes, but sometimes it didn't. And I remember walking into reality with this hurt, having gone through some really painful church splits and telling myself, I will never put myself out there again. I will never let myself be hurt again. And I walked in that day into the theater, this dark theater, looked around me. People were just dressed normally. And there was communion at the front. The lights were dim. There was one person with a guitar on stage. And I thought, this isn't how church is. And over time, got involved in a home group, started to see this slowed down pace, this love for the contemplative. I started to learn that my emotions were something God wanted to see. He wanted to hear my anger, my shame, even my hurt from the church itself. And I started to say, this isn't what church is usually like. And I love that. So if you feel that way too, maybe you feel hurt. Maybe you feel fragmented. Maybe you're longing for more. I want to extend to you that same invitation in the name of Jesus, that you have a place here, that you can show up as you are, not as you think that you're supposed to be. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up. And right now, let's begin practicing wholehearted together. And I think what that starts with is honesty. So I'd like to ask you a question, if you will, and to end almost as we started 
His question is, what part of you right now is closed off to God? Maybe it's your mind. Maybe what goes to your head is, if I have the right answers, if I know they're all the right things to say, the right verses in the Bible, then I'll be in control. But perhaps you find yourself defined by lies and scripts that you can't seem to shake, that seem to rule your mind. So maybe the invitation to you today is to allow Jesus and his word to rewrite those scripts day in and day out with the truth of the gospel. Or maybe the part of you that's closed off to God is your strength. Maybe you think, if I can just do the right things, the right habits, if I can try harder, I'll be good enough. But perhaps you find yourself defined by those behaviors, and they've become a heavy burden, a list of do's and don'ts to earn your place with God. And you don't know how to take care of yourself, how to embrace your limits, your physical body, how to connect that care of the whole person. So maybe the invitation to you today is to learn to eat when you're hungry and to rest when you're tired and learn the beauty of boundaries. Or finally, maybe the part of you that's closed off to God is your heart, like me, for so long. Maybe you think, if I'm happy, if I put on a good face, then I'll be loved. But maybe that's not working so well, and you see yourself leaking and responding and reacting with your emotions. And in the end, maybe it's creating the very dynamic you've been trying to avoid, that instead of ruling your emotions, they're ruling you. So maybe the invitation to you right now is to share with Jesus how you really feel. Your anger, your hurt, your longing, your hope. Because he wants to hear it. So I'd invite you right now to get comfortable again, and would you close your eyes with me? And we're going to practice this together. And let's embrace the tension of silence in a large room surrounded by other people. Just take a deep breath with me. Because silence can reveal what is loud in us. So take that question before God. What part of you Maybe you ask it like this, Jesus, what part of me is closed off to you? And notice what comes to mind. And as you sit in that place, Asking that question, I'd invite you to also take this one into this time of response. How might the very areas of your pain, where you're closed off, be an invitation from Jesus to greater depth of wholehearted relationship? So just asking Jesus, what are, where are you inviting me to more? And just listen to him speak. Thank you, Jesus. And as we continue our response, we are going to sing together. And so I invite you to 
come use these carpets. Posture your body to kneel, maybe just to sit in silence right where you're at or here, to allow these truths to become real inside of you. But also, I want to remind you, I just have a word right now that I've been sensing this morning, and that's that you're not alone. Right now, there's someone here today who's struggling to live again, that you've encountered deep loss this year, and you don't know how you're going to recover. It's been a year that has fragmented most of, of what we see life as. And I believe the word is live again. And so I'm going to ask, we have a core group of leaders, if you guys would go into the back. And this is a group of people that's walked with us through this journey as we've learned these values and discovered them. They're people who embody it. You'll recognize them. And right now, they're going to be there in the back. And I would invite you, if you feel that that's you, you just have such a deep loss and you don't know where to begin, but you want that, you're longing to show up as you are, I just would invite you right now to go and receive prayer for breakthrough, to receive prayer for healing and wholeness. Because that's the beauty of this. This is our value together. This is not you trying harder to be wholehearted on your own. This is us. This is reality Santa Barbara wholeheartedly showing up with all of our hearts, our minds, and our strengths, and you are not alone. So as we begin to sing, if God is placing that on your heart, that longing that you feel that you are that person with such a loss, I would invite you, go and receive prayer. And let's together sing the truth of Jesus. You can take communion. You might know Jesus is the bread of life, but to actually receive that bread and that wine inside of you to feel and experience in your body that sacrifice, that's wholehearted. So church, I invite you today, let's live again.